This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit JiffyLube.com. This episode is brought to you by Cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. Hi everyone, welcome to Righty's House on Ringer FC. It's going to be every Wednesday, very excited about it. You can hear it in my smiley face. I'm going to have my rotating contributing guests, Jeanette Kwachi, Musa Kwonga, The Athletics, Carl Anka. And um, joining me first um, is my man, Ryan Hun. How you doing, Ryan Hun? Hi, hi, right? Put round for a brew. Thank you very much. Happy first episode. You know something? It's really strange because um, uh, I'm so excited about it, Ryan, because... I just, I don't know. I just feel there's a certain amount of control yeah. um, and freedom, which which podcast gives people. Yeah. You've not had your own one, have you before? No, I've not, right. And, um, you know, being in the, in the kind of like, I'd say overproduced world of football, it's, it's nice to be able to speak about football, how you speak about football. And what's yeah. great about, what's, what's great about podcasts, right, is the more you listen to is people are speaking about football, how people talk about it. Because whatever we say about the different shows, match of the day, the Sky shows, the BT shows and that, you know, the analysis and the way the guys are talking about it, the only time that people really engage and think to themselves, that was really cool, is when they're speaking where you feel like they are actually being natural and speaking yeah. about football, not just in a natural way. Do you know what I mean, Ryan? Yeah, definitely. I mean, like, we've got this first episode today where we chatted with all the contributors, didn't we? Yes. Um, you're actually yes. going to hear me and Musa together later, yes. which is going to be weird, but we did it a couple of days ago. Mm. How many times have we sat down now to, we did a load of dummy shows, didn't we? Yeah, man. But it's just, what was cool about that is it's therapeutic. Mm. Because when you go on to doing the live shows, Ryan, like Match of the Day, England games and that, there's so much stuff that you have to have in your head simply because there's so many things you have to reach in, in respect of what you're saying. You're not thinking about anything other than getting to that place mm. rather than thinking about, I want to think and talk about football instead of thinking about, right, you've, yes, you've hit that and you've said that and you've got to say this just in case they think that and they better say this about that lot because if you don't say that, then they're going to say it. And so you're starting to feel about everything else, all the pressures that come from everything else when you're trying to talk about football on these shows instead of actually talking about it how you want to. 
And that is what I want to do, yeah. I think the cool thing is like, obviously, Moose and I do Stadio and you've been on Stadio a couple of times. Mm. <laughs> and the good thing is you're not on the clock. Absolutely right. No time. The time. Yeah. The time is, is one of the things that, you know, people don't understand. And this is why, you know, you, there's an adrenaline kind of buzz you get when you're doing match today, when you're doing England, especially when England get to the latter stages of a tournament where you just feel the, the, the pressure again is like when you used to play, when you're mm-hmm. in the tunnel, getting ready to go out and your belly's like that washing machine. I don't know if people understand what that feels like. Whatever you do and you get that, those nerves and that, that, those butterflies, people call them in your stomach. It's like the washing machine, but it's stomach. Um, and you get that for match of the day all the time simply because it's so condensed, right? Yeah. Like for instance, let's say we're doing Aston Villa in Southampton. And you know, it's down the pecking order. But at the same time, Southampton and Aston Villa fans want to hear and see more about their teams in that forum. And unless they beat Man City or they beat Liverpool, then they're, they're, they're probably going to be down the pecking order. So you don't really get to speak about them as much. But at the same time, you try to read as much as you can about those clubs. Well, let's find out what's, what the Villa fans are saying. See if we can ease some of that in, what the Southampton fans are saying, so you can give them their props and their time. What I will do, and what I'm going to be pleased, what I'm pleased about with this, and what be able to do this, is to be able to say, you know something, I just want to talk about Slavin Village and what's happened with West Brom, because Slavin's my mate. Yeah. You know what's really weird, Ryan, is being able to, is, is being able to speak to the people who are the protagonists in the league like I'm speaking to you now. So the problem that you have is to not give away the secrets. <laughs> because, you know, we're talking about people that you've got 20 years and 25 years of, of, of like, relationship with, mm. who, who speak to you and trust you. You know, and some of those people, you, I'm do, I am hoping at some stage you might, and I'm not going to promise to, not going to promise the listeners, oh, we're going to get this and we're going to get because, like, all of a sudden you will have, you'll, you'll come in and we'll have somebody or something like that yeah, because yeah. they'll do it like that. But the point I'm making is I, I'm not going to give away trade secrets, but like I say, I speak to people and when I'm speaking to in this format, things just come out <laughs> <laughs> like Ron Burgundy. If it's in there, it has to come out. If it's on the pronter, it's on the auto cue. I have to read it. If it's in my head in some way, it has to come out. And that's what I want to share with people. You know, <sighs> Like with Ozil, you know, it is so sad. Yeah. A footballer can't play. And for whatever reason, a football club that's paying a footballer a vast amount of money to play for them, for some reason, don't want him to play. Yeah. And, I mean, and it's just, it's absolutely tragic. Yeah, I mean, it's tragic. Yeah, that's the, whatever people think about it, that is the underlying thing. And it? it's, just, it's just sad that right. a, a generational talent like that, which I think Mesut Ozil is, despite yeah. his, the stick he gets, is not in either squad list. It's, it's a shame. So, so we're going to like get on to the regular contributors in a bit because we sat yes. down with Carl. We sat down with Carl Anker from The Athletic, yeah. And I'm really looking forward to speaking to Carl um, with his Manchester United stuff and everything else, what he's interested in. Jeanette Kwachi. Yeah. You know. Elite Jeanette. athlete. Yes, man. She's an elite athlete, bro. Yeah, like Olympian. Like I say, I'm just, I'm just excited to, to, to speak to Jeanette because she's... She's so enthusiastic and knowledgeable and just like, you know what, when, you, when you're speaking to the athletes and, you know, the, the Olympics and she's an Olympian and what it takes, 
I don't know, Ryan, how I would be able to deal with trying to get to a, a level of performance that you have to attain and keep without getting injured for four years to then hopefully try and get into a, an Olympic squad. Mm. The drive, determination, and the guts to do that and then get there. And then sometimes people get injured while they're there or injured in the last season before they get there. Those are the kind of things that I want to speak about as well. It's all the mental side of it. The yeah. mental ability to be able to come back from massive, massive adversity mm. and, you know, expectation. That's what I'm looking forward to speaking to with, with Jeanette, to be honest, because um, I, I, it's something that it wasn't around when I was playing, but I would love to have played in a GB football team oh, in the Olympics. Yeah. I'd have loved that, bro. You and Ali McCoyst up front. Me and Ali. Me and Ali McCoyst. That would be so good. <laughs> and the you know what? Me and Ali McCoyst would probably share rooms. We'd get on so well. I love him so much. But yeah, also on the podcast though, we're gonna, mm. you, we, we were saying that you want to be like some stuff that you've done that week and we'll talk about movies and stuff as well. And yeah, but the thing is, right, not that's, just football, what I, huh? that's what I want to do on here as well because like, I, I love films and all mm. films all films, you know what I mean? It's not like, uh, I, and I'm not an expert. I just like what I like. Mm. Those are the things though, right? I want to yeah. talk about stuff like that. It might go across into films, but like people will be surprised at what films, because I've seen all the Marvels, literally every single kiddie <laughs> film. I've had to watch all the Frozens, watch everything with my girls, because I want <laughs> my girls to be knowledgeable about films as well. And mm. We're getting to that stage now where, you know, like watching Avengers again, Endgame with my girls was just brilliant for them to see what it's like and what people do and sacrifice and what's, what you, what, how far you're willing to go to help and save. And, you know, we're talking about, of course, we're talking about Avengers in the world and it's, it's brilliant. Like, you know, we watched Armageddon the other day. It was with Bruce Willis with the girls. It was so good because I was being so <laughs> over the top with, because when I watch it with them, yeah. um, when things happen, I do, I scream and, like my mum, it's like a West Indian thing. When we was when we'd watch a film when we were kids, my mum, you know, she'd say, "Move, move, 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 quick! It's behind you, behind you, behind." That's how my mum would watch a film like that, Ryan. <laughs> like so they could I, hear her. Like, yeah, yeah, like they could hear her. Like, say, quick, quick, quick! My mum would say stuff like that when we'd watch the films. So I kind of do that with the girls now. I love watching films with them. We watch a film every Friday. We try and watch a film. It's, it's a situation where I want I want to be in a. Um, in an environment where you're talking about it, where you feel free to talk about what you want to say. And I haven't got no problem with people critiquing and, and criticizing, but I've always been more susceptible to, to positive, to positivity. You know, there's no, yeah. there's nothing that's going to be on this and I'm right his house that is like slaughtering anyone or having a go. It's just put, give an opinion and I'll just try and do, I'm, I just want to do that so as, and people understand. But any, people should know what I'm about now. I, I don't, yeah. I don't um, sugarcoat. I'm not sugarcoating. You know what I mean? I protect people. You know what I mean? There's some people who you do need to give a rocket and, and <laughs> stuff like that. But like, um, I, I just, like I said, I just want, and that's the thing as well, right? I want people to, um, to tweet in. And, and, yeah. And, you know what I mean? That kind of stuff. Just to, what do you think? Yeah, we'll get the questions and stuff for, yeah, we'll for future we, episodes, won't we? Yeah, we should. We'll, we'll, we'll do stuff like that. But like, yeah, I'm, I'm very much looking forward to it. Very oh, much man. looking forward to it. Well, we all are as well. I know everyone's really hyped to to be involved. You know, so 
And on on that note, shall I get out the way for a bit and let? I was gonna, I, yeah, I was starting to feel a bit uncomfortable. I didn't want to say it to you, especially because I got to come back later with Musa. That's so what I'm saying. Yeah. Overstay my welcome. Typical, the only straight white boy on the podcast. <laughs> Overstay his welcome. <laughs> Another guest that's going to be coming to Wrighty's house is a dear friend, Jeanette Kwashe, Olympian, ladies and gents, elite hey. athlete, Hello. the most elite athlete in the house, in the hizzle. <laughs> how are you doing, JK? And how are your family? We're really good. But why did you say the most elite athlete? Because two of us, elite. Like... No, man. No. Olympian. You know something? When I used to watch the Olympics, yeah. I used to want to be... You know the bit where you lot do the, when you lot come onto the track in your suits and all this kind of stuff. Uh, what was that like, Jeanette? Because like, you know, you all have to wear the same stuff. You're all excited. It's you lot been mm. training for four years. Yeah, man. You know, to get there. You finally get there. Talk to me, man. What's that like when you're all together? You're f- do you know what? It's crazy because you you, you really take time to pick what you're going to wear. Mm-hmm. And maybe because I was one of the girls, like you really take time. Like you think, right, should I wear my all-in-one? Should I wear my, yes. my hot pants? Should I wear my running knickers? My leg- <laughs> It's a big, big deal. Like what, <laughs> what you're looking like. Do the like girls the get together? Line. That's what I'm saying with the start line. Yeah. With the, for the relay, the girls yeah. get together. Definitely. Right. And you kind of right. pick what you're going to wear. But if you know you're going to have like a big moment, you know, mm-hmm. how, how are you going to look? Because if you win the race, you've got to look on point, you know? So yeah, but- it was, it's, a, it's a lot. I think it's, um, I, I guess the similarity is similar to taking a, like a, a real big decision-making penalty. Is that wow. kind of energy that's going through you on the that start? Line, energy. You know what I mean? It's like, yes. yeah, yeah. That's the kind of feeling it is. I think I can only get into that, that ballpark with the energy side is when you're going to play a big game and you're in the tunnel. Yes. That's the kind of, is that, that's the energy. You see, like your stomach starts going because then you start look, do you, did you look at the opponents? Did you look at like, oh my yeah. gosh, you've been, and yeah, did, yeah, yeah. Did, was you ever frightened of, I used to, when we used to play United and <laughs> them teams, when, when it was really, we, we were both, going for it you, you didn't want to look at them but you could tell when someone's scared is when they look at your boots when they Listen. look down and look at your boots they're looking they're trying to find fault right. they find I tell fault. you what yeah uh, the, the most probably the most I've ever really felt that conscious was probably obviously the Olympic final right because in the Olympic final it was 2008 and I remember mm. being on the start line there were three Jamaican girls in the race three American mm. girls in the race there's a lady from the Bahamas and then there was me from London and mm. I'm looking at these girls and I'm like these girls train in like Florida, yeah. Kingston, Jamaica, California. I train in Walthamstow in East London. <laughs> like it's just, it's, it's so mad it's- just looking at where everyone's come from, but we, we all deserve to be there. And I think that's mm-hmm. the main thing as well, but you can't yeah. help but look like that's look. It's human nature. You have to look. And what about your football? Where'd your love for football come from? I know the Ga- Ghanaian uh, heritage that, and we know how much football in, yeah. a, in Africa is just the thing. Where, where did yours come from? Massively. It's my dad, isn't it? Who did he support? Arsenal. Yeah. Yeah, man. Your dad knows, man. My dad knows. My dad knows. But do you know what's really funny? When he first, first came over, John Barnes was about it. So it was John Barnes. He was the one that all the black people looked at and thought, right, yes, John Barnes. He's the guy where he goes, where you follow, right? And then a few more of you lot came onto the scene and then you lot had a bit more flair, a bit more charisma. (laughs) So they kind of moved with it because it wasn't necessarily, they didn't have an affiliation with a place or a space. Do you know what I mean? It was more about the player. So um, my mum still supports Liverpool. I don't know, you know, that's just how she is. But my dad, he's he's Arsenal from, you know, from the early 90s to to this day, you know. So he's, he's with that. And because of that, you know, that's me and my brother. Yeah. Uh, 
he's Is a he lost Tottenham? one, man. Don't say he's Tottenham. Nah. He, he was, he, as a kid, he was big ass. No, he was. He's West Ham. As a yeah. kid, yeah, That's he exactly. As a kid, he was into it. Like Arsenal, when they did the double, he went down and he was holding. He's got pictures of him holding both the trophies. And then one day he woke up and said he supports West Ham. And wow. that was it. I could, I was you know like, something? Okay, cool. That's something else. At some stage, I'm going to. Um, we're going to talk about in Wrighty's house. We have to talk about how you supported your team and why, because I believe that a lot of people have had it forced upon them. And then you, once you pick the team, you're literally like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to have to, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to stay with it. Because, because for me, if I'm going to be totally honest, there was, when I was younger, my brother supported West Ham. And I never, I always had a leaning towards Liverpool when we was younger. And it's not just is this, because- Is this a revelation? Is this an exclusive here? No, 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 no. Okay, because I don't I mind telling people because I've got my story and it will come out as we do it. We'll, we'll come out, why, why Millwall? And obviously the love for Palace. Then obviously Arsenal with David Rowcastle. But I'm talking about when you're younger, if I had the kind of, I probably would have supported, I probably would have supported Liverpool. But then once David Rowcastle, like I explained to people, went to Arsenal when he was in the 80s as a youth team player, like you said, everybody follows. So the yeah. whole estate, the whole estate followed Arsenal. And so that's where my Arsenal affinity came from. And then obviously once I played, I realised how much I loved them. And obviously Palace fans don't like, to, don't like to hear them because they think that it's once I went to, to Arsenal that all of a sudden <laughs> I, I love Arsenal. But it goes back. But the point I'm going to make, and at some stage we're going to do it, is what team, if it was totally down to you, do you think you would have supported? You know what I mean? Don't answer that now, JK. No, I'm not going to answer it. But I can just say, Go we've on. got two kids here. My son is at that age now where he's watching the game yes. and he's seeing it and he's watching the players. He knows who the players are. My husband's a massive Liverpool fan, right? Mm. And I'm looking at my son. By force, my husband's bought him Liverpool baby grows, you know, shirts. He's walking wrong. around with wrong, everything JK. on, right? And I said, well, hold on a minute. Why didn't I get mm. a say? He goes, why should you get a say? I'm like, what do you mean? Mm. Like, we made this child together. There should be a discussion about yeah. which team he supports, right? So anyway, the other day I said to my little boy, I said, oh, who's your favourite football team? He said, oh, Chelsea. I said, what? 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 <laughs> nice. Where did that come from? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I said, why? He said, oh, because my auntie's called Chelsea. I've got a sister called Chelsea. And because of that now, he thinks that that... Do you see what I mean? That's, it's like, it's a really weird way. Yeah, but that should be enough for him. If then he likes Chelsea, then he should be able to be Chelsea. Because like for me, I didn't force, I didn't force Arsenal on any of my kids. They just, they're just Arsenal because it was always Arsenal around them. Yeah. That's the way they went to watch. Um, but the fact is, I believe there's a lot of people out there who love teams that deep down, like I like Liverpool. I always liked Liverpool. And there was something about them winning the league what made me quite pleased for them because mm. I like the people as well. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. There's something about them. There's something about Liverpool. Yeah. But you know, I've got to ask you about your favourite player yeah. of all time and why. This isn't fair because this is a really, really, really it's hard a tough question. question. I wanted to come in hard to see what people are saying. <sighs> right. My thing is this right here. You've got to remember the era that I grew up in and the era that I watched football. Okay. So mm -hmm. what mid nineties is kind of when football came into the consciousness and there happened to be a certain player at Arsenal who was about it. And I can't even mention his name, obviously oh, for obvious reasons. <laughs> exactly. Oh, so the is amazing. <laughs> Thierry's amazing, man. How are you not going to love Thierry? No one at Arsenal. I love Thierry. Listen, 
Thierry has to be my favourite player. But then you always think about, right, what got you into the game? What made you want to watch the game? What got you excited? I loved watching you play. But then you think about the Invincibles and what they did. Like, Thierry Henry, definitely, because he brought something different to the league, like, that nobody had ever seen before. So for me, looking at someone like him, Mm -hmm. you know, French footballer, and he was... The commercial side as well. He moved yeah. from it being just on the pitch to the adverts and yeah. there was that. He was a wider player. So for yeah. me, it has to be Thierry. That whole Thierry, Patrick Vieira, like that whole era for me is like kind of kicked in. But you know something, JK? There's something with, especially Arsenal fans, they feel quite embarrassed to speak to me about Thierry being their favourite player. Whereas if I'm talking, if without the affinity that I've got with Arsenal and Thierry knowing him, if I'm watching Thierry from the outside, you want to hear, you want to hear how someone like Alan Shearer talks about Thierry, the respect <laughs> and love he's got for him. Yeah. And I've got the same yeah. because for some reason, people seem to think that I have something against him because f- f- I don't know the record, whatever it is, he's came to Arsenal and he's, he's the king. But the fact is I admire him so much. It's very difficult to try and explain it to people without them thinking, yeah, he's just saying that. But this is it. Like, you respect it because you understand Absolutely. what it takes to get to that level. Like, so mm-hmm. as, as a sportsman to sportsman, you will absolutely understand and respect the pedigree and the work ethic, mm-hmm. everything that it takes to be that kind of player. So, of course, you could... Listen, I'd be happy to talk to you about Thierry all day. But I think what people may think that, that you take it so personal because we literally look at football fa- football players and fans and w- there's this personal affiliation where you think to yourself, oh, my goodness, like do they get on and you kind of make these scenarios up in your head like so people think there might be some rivalry when actually you're just looking at each other respectfully as footballers and I think that's important yes so Jeanette JK Mrs. Quache if you're playing now if you're playing (laughs) now Mm -hmm. which player do you think you'd be and who would you like to play for really just throw it in like that do you know what I right I would love to play for at the minute a team like Liverpool simply because I love Jurgen Klopp. Okay. Like, I love his management style. I love yeah. everything about him. Like, this, he, he reminds me of my old coach. Do you know what I mean? It's very motivational, very emotive, but there's a science behind it. So like, I'd mm. love to kind of be in that kind of setup. If I was looking at individual players, Jack Grealish, and do you know mm. why? Because the fire in, in his belly right now, like I used to thrive on that. Like that would be my motivation every day to get up, to go training and to make sure I was the best. Like, yeah. so there is that because I like the element of trying to prove people wrong. So that for me would have been a big deal. And obviously because Villa are playing amazingly as well. Yeah. And another player, sorry, I've got about a million players. On, another man. player, Dominic Calvert-Lewin, because he wow. is in sensational Ooh. form, that in he that is on it. And right, you know that feeling, yeah, when you wake mm. up and you are on, on it. it. Like, yes. There's no one can chat to you. Nobody can tell you anything. I'm going out today. I'm going to run 11 seconds flat in the 100 or yes. bang a hat-trick and like... It, it, it has to happen. Like there's no one that can tell you any different. So yeah. I feel like Calvert Lewin's in that kind of form. Yes. And I miss that. You know what I mean? I miss that kind of form. It's funny. So. That's the kind of vibe. Exactly. You do miss that, that energy yeah. of, that, that. of feeling invincible, feeling like a superhero. Yes. I'm so pleased yeah. for it. Those are the two things. Yes. Yeah, he's doing a great job, isn't he? Good. And he's a, he's, a, he's a nice kid as well. Like when yeah. you listen to him speak and everything else, you think to yourself, yeah. oh, okay, we really want you to do well. Like there's nothing about him that doesn't want you to, that doesn't want you to make him succeed. Yes. So yeah, I'm, I'm into Calvert-Lewin at the minute. Definitely. I like that. I like that, JK. Listen, I can't thank you enough, my sis. See you soon. We're going to do some more <laughs> stuff, huh? 
I'm very excited. Nice one. This is going to be great. I love you, man. Love you too. God bless and I'll speak to you soon. See you soon. Bye. Bye. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. I'm delighted to welcome Carl Anker from The Athletic. Carl, I'm very pleased to have you in Wright's house, man. I'm so glad to be here. It's all plush, good furnishing. It's a beautiful house, huh? Green velvet sofa. It's anything you imagine it to be. That's what it is. Got some light jazz playing. Some light jazz. I'm enjoying this. Nice one, man. So, so Carl, we're going to get into it, my friend. So the question I want to ask you, very simple question. Everybody who's going to be on this, um, in Wright's house uh, as the guest is their best player of all time and why. Depending on the people and the way I've kind of like sussed out the people I've got on this rotating panel, it's going to be quite interesting. So who's your best and why? This is a strange one for me to admit. So when I was on the playground, I used to always be Andy Cole. (laughs) Yeah. Because as you can tell by my accent, I was a Manchester United fan. (laughs) So I was always Andy Cole growing up. But as I've got older, I've definitely become a massive fan of Didier Drogba. Wow. There's yeah. just something about him, the way he carried himself playing in the Premier League, how he was sometimes the hero, sometimes the villain. villain he had yeah. big game prowess. What he's done back home in the Ivory Coast, I think yes. is incredible. In terms of big game stuff and in terms of like the big moments, Drogba mm. was having so much fun. And even little gestures he would do on the pitch, mm-hmm. what he's done in interviews, I've tried coffee in myself, mm. which is weird. I don't think I'll ever pull off the perm. But yeah. <laughs> That, the, the straight perm. Yeah, I don't it's think I'll ever do that. It was beautiful. It was strong. You know, the thing with him is, Carl, is um, I think that there, he was in danger. There was a, there was a period where he was, in, he was in danger of people judging him for the, the antics, mm-hmm. maybe like going down easy for a big man, you know, quotes, which I thought was, was a bit harsh simply because some of the times what he did go through, he was right to go down. Yes, there was some way he thought, come, DDA, man, don't. Don't go out like that. But in respect of the number nine and the way he played that role on his own up there, just covering all the bases, literally doing everything, you know, like scoring the goals, linking the play, um, free kicks, assists. He's the one for me that made people say, that's where we've got to go. That's how we've got to do it. Yeah, they were saying, I remember reading... Magazine interview saying, oh, Drogba's put to bed the 4-4-2. But when you think about it, his strike partner was basically Frank Lampard. Mm-hmm. Which is that cool thing. Like Frank Lampard's goal-scoring record, scoring 20 Premier League goals season on season, doesn't really happen unless Drogba's doing what he's doing. And they've still got the best record. I think they've got the best duo in terms of goals. Yeah. Do you think there's, a, is there anyone in the game now uh, replicating that kind of midfielder supporting a forwards doing what he's doing who's who's at the moment would you say I mean Kevin De Bruyne and Aguero is sort of like it close that's close Vardy's literally doing it on his own really he's got so many different people doing it with him Vardy's so much fun (laughs) what about um, Lewandowski oh man is he another is he another monster is he doing it on his own because you have to look you have to mention Lewandowski I think Drogba definitely gets into that 
conversation. Oh yeah, I the cool thing about Lewandowski is he's got so many nice wingers and inside forwards playing around him. Mm-hmm. And when you're that smart and you're that able to do stuff like that, and you're imagine being a winger and just knowing I can put it vaguely in that area, and Lewandowski will do something. Because mm-hmm. you know, I used to play on the wing sometimes, and I get tired and like I, I beat my man, I get it down to the byline, and I'm not really looking where I'm putting the cross in. I'm like, I'm just gonna put, you know, he's in there somewhere. Yes. <laughs> imagine being that sort of tired player getting it in, and Lewandowski <laughs> does like a bicycle kick. You're like. Yeah, yeah, I meant that. <laughs> what about the Andy Cole, though? Because I remember Andy Cole, when I went to Arsenal, remember Andy Cole was somebody that they said, I remember I was doing something with Andy the other day, they said about Andy Cole, no, he's not gonna, he's never going to score more than 10 goals because he's, he's lazy, you know what I mean? He's, he's, they, they would talk about his attitude and stuff like this. I remember when I went there, all the players would say him. They'd point to him, Tony Adams, this one, that one, and say, he is something special. I don't think he's going to get it. He's not mm. going to get it in time. And I remember watching him in the games and it it would be very easy for people like the coaches and that to say, nah, let, move him on to someone else. Because when he was doing the running, he was like 30, 40 yards behind other people. We're talking about literally jogging when people are running. But when he played in the games, you could see that he'd done something. But you've seen that player cast aside so many times. So when he went to Fulham, I remember before he was going to Fulham, I said, Andy, just go and just, just score goals. Now, because how Andy is and how his demeanour is, he's always been like that. He's very calm, very cool. You know what I mean? He's always been like that. So when he went, when he went to Fulham, scored a couple of goals, but when he went to, Man- when he went to Bristol City mm. and he really got the bug of playing and scoring, then you started to see it. That's when you could see the people at Arsenal start to say, oh, yeah, okay, yeah, but it's Bristol City. Was, you know. When he went to Newcastle, frighten the fucking life out of everyone. <laughs> Somebody, like I say, who still doesn't get the credit for me. You know, when people talk about the top end of the, of the, of the Premier League. Everyone forgets him. Absolutely ridiculous. Like, you'd go to a pub quiz and they'll say top Premier League goal scorers. And, you know, most people will go Rooney, Shearer. Mm. Uh, most people go Henri. Henri. Lampard. Everyone will forget. Andy Cole. He's top five Premier League goal scorers, but he's always, he's always the pub quiz answer you forget. So um, when we did our thing at the Athletic about the top 60 in the Premier League people, I, I, was, I was really happy Andy Cole came up yeah, he, really he high up there. To. He has to. So if you're playing now, which player would you like to be like or even play with? Who would you like to, to play with? Uh, I think it'd be really fun being like a defensive midfielder who plays next wow. to the guy. You like, think so? You, yeah, it'd be really cool. Imagine being the person that like makes a tackle and then gives it to someone else and the other person like no, does the no, counter attack. You just get to like watch it all happen. Like, oh. I'm too self, I'm too like, no, I need too much to be that guy. No, I love, I love watching goals happen. Uh, do, you know, I'm the guy that in the group project at university who does like the bare minimum and then we'll take the award afterwards. That's me. <laughs> yes, I see that position. I remember I was speaking to somebody the other day and we was talking about what positions you'd come back as and I thought... I'd like to be maybe a right wing back. Oh yeah? I feel like I could do a right wing back because whatever position I'm playing, I want to be able to get forward and score and I want to be able to be expressive in what I'm doing. I don't want to destroy and then give it to Kevin De Bruyne. <laughs> you know what I mean? I, I, need, I need more than that. This is why someone like, I like Kimmich. Yeah. I love him. And he's one that I, would, I do want to see in the Premier League. 
I love he's there's there's a vibe about Kimmich that I just I just love it. He's my favorite at the minute. I just love players having fun. Like, imagine being Alfonso Davis right now. Wow. Imagine that year you've just had. It's like, well, just won everything in Europe. Just won it. Yes. <laughs> I know. I know. I think that that's the position. So you want to be you want to be that guy. Yeah. You want to be the um the, the destroyer and then give it to give it to Jorginho, give it to Kevin De Bruyne. Yeah. You know, yeah, give it I to the creative guy. guy. And wow. I want to be like GG1 album. Just sort of that sort of quiet guy who keeps it all ticking. Busquets. Or, no, 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 Busquets never quite did it for me. Now, uh, De Jong. Yeah, De now Jong. we're talking. De Jong, Frank- vertical player, loads of passing. Frankie. Or if we're talking Frankie. attacking. Yeah, man. Who? Attacking players, Sadio Mane. I love, <gasps> I love Sadio Mane so much. You know who is just like getting to be one of my real loves just watching everything he does? Riyad Mahrez. Yes. Yes. I'm sorry, but it's, he's turned into one of the, he's turned into a guy that I, I can easily just watch him all the time. He's, he's got a kind of a, he's got a, the way he moves and the way he, everything he does, it's got something just like beautiful about it. It just, everything's just like effortless and beautiful. I'm loving Riyad Mahrez. It's when a quiet player becomes a badass. You tend to get like the really loud ones that make loads mm. of noise and then they take it to another level. Mm-hmm. and that's great and they're on the front covers and they do loads of goal celebrations but when you get like a quiet or a shy person just like yeah. very quietly go to the next level so when Mane went from being you know Southampton Mane was cool but kind of inconsistent and he went to Liverpool yeah. and then he just unlocked no, but, this whole other level yeah but that what about no but that hat trick bro the hat trick yeah. in like three minutes yeah and remember Man United were all over him you know that's why I think they spoke to him but he said no nah, Man United weren't right for him and you know you, again you feel like like Man United made a big mistake by not making that signing, but not being in a position to make that signing. Because as a football team, they were nowhere near the giving him the kind of, I don't know, the, the, the kind of philosophy what they're going to do to attract a player like Mane, which is now cool is arguably one of the world, he's a world, easily one of the best in yeah. the world. One thing I really love is just f- figuring out the person in the team that does like the coffee run. Because if you're like a Spanish player and you come to Manchester, yeah. Yeah. Like, like who's going to get you the Spanish version of Nesquik? I want to find out who's that boy, you know? Who's the, who's the link? Who's the link guy? Who's the plug for like all the foreign food you want? Because I heard the Brazilian players, like the Brazilian, there's like two group chats and there's one for the North and one for the South. And Firmino what? ones like runs one group chat. Right. And like David Luiz runs the other one. And I want to, I want, what are they talking about? Like, like, wow. Who, who organises like the Mata de Coco runs? Because you're not getting that in... Sainsbury's. Yes. So somebody has to get that from yep, the wholesalers. Yep. So, yeah, but surely when, when they go abroad, are they, would they be allowed to bring that stuff back? Let's say, so who's going? So he's going over there. So make sure you bring back this and maybe, yeah. remember, like, you know, Jesus needs this. You know what I mean? Like, Gabriel, uh, he needs that. He's only been there five minutes. You know, David Luiz, don't forget my favourite stuff. I'd love to see that group chat. I want to know that. You know, Manchester United are going out to Paris. And I want to know if Cavani's told any of the United boys, oh yeah, when you come back from Paris, go there and like get me this thing because I forgot to bring it. You know, the thing is as well with, um, just quickly on Cavani before we, before we move, is that I saw a picture of him the other day and as a striker, you know, I know Anthony Martial and, and that, but as a striker and even Agallo, you see him come in, your whole energy just goes somewhere. It's not right. Because I remember when Anelka came, he was 17. And after the first two sessions of watching somebody of that caliber 
coming. And I know Cavani's of world-class status now, but Nelka watching him then, my energy changed because I knew that the end was nigh. <laughs> now, I'm not saying the end is nigh for, for Martial, but like, I'm not, and, and it can't be with Cavani, but just quickly on Cavani coming in and stopping the gap. Do you think it's going to happen for him here? Is it going to be a, a Falcao or like I've heard people say or a Zlatan? I think he'll be good. I think he'll probably get somewhere between like 10 and 15 goals. And he's just going to be really good for the dressing room. But I, I, one thing that's going to be really cool is just seeing what language he's going to speak. Because right. I, know I know he understands English. I know he speaks Italian fluently. I know he speaks French fluently. He also speaks Spanish. Wow. So like when Cavani meets Pogba, what are they going to talk in? Because they can speak three languages to each other. Minimum. Easy. That's the sort of weird stuff. Like when Cavani meets Pogba, what, did they, what word did they use for hello? Mm-hmm. <laughs> See, I love all that silly stuff. So, Carl, I'm, I'm going to be seeing you soon, huh? Oh, yeah, of course. Listen, I just want to say to Carl Anker from The Athletic, thank you very much for being part of Wrighty's House. Look forward to our stuff in the future. Forward to it. It's a great nice one. It should be cool. Thank you very much, my friend. See you soon, buddy. Stadio is in the house. Right, man. Mr. Congo in the house, man. How you doing, guys? You know, I'm, I'm so pleased to have the laugh. I've got the laugh on, on the house. I'm probably going to use it. A couple of times. And Ryan Hunt. I love you, Ryan. Can I just say, with you, I just love, you do the podcast, it's beautiful, love it and everything, but there's a real vicious, nasty side to you two when you just have that little 30 second blast at each other, which is, <laughs> it really makes me, I literally, I literally laugh my head off in the car, man. So love, so love. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Someone's got to keep Musa in check, Someone's man. Someone's got to keep Musa in check, man. out of control online. <laughs> Honestly, can I just, just quick, because we have to get into it. I just want to get into it. Yeah, yeah. I wanted to find out who your favourite football is and why he's your favourite footballer. So the greatest footballer of all time is Leo Messi, in my opinion. But my favourite footballer of all time is actually George Weah. I love George Weah. And the reason I say that is because every way that a, you know, this is a black man, a dark-skinned black man, living in mainland Europe in the mid nineties mm. and just absolutely bossing it. The way yeah. he carried himself on and off the field and the, w- the way he played football. If you look at all those highlights, there was never a wasted skill. He could do everything with the ball, but there was always a point to it. It was like Zidane. You know, like Zidane, there was never a wasted mm. trick. No. There was always a demonstration. Like, and where the ability, there was a, you know that Ronaldinho thing when he snaps the ankle, right? The flip yes. flap dribble. The flip flap, yeah. Where did that years before Ronaldinho got fame for it. Not to not Ronaldinho, but like... It was Rivellino I first saw it on. Yeah, yeah, but Rivellino nicked it from Sergio Achida. I learned You're it. You're joking. No, 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 no. I've got to tell you the story. So Sergio Achida basically played with Rivellino, right? Mm. In Brazil. He was a Japanese-Brazilian. So Brazilian-Japanese heritage. And Achida basically goes to training because he watched, he was like, he was noted, it was like, it was the most, he basically, it's a piece of technology, the flip flap. Mm. He basically watched, when you watch Garincha, mm. Garincha always went outside his man, right? And Pele always came infield. Like Pele's yes. favorite thing was infield, right? So Achida goes home and he's like, oh, why don't I combine it? Why don't I combine it? Why don't I put two of the moves? Because no one's ever done that. So he goes to training mm. and does the flip flap and everyone stops. Everyone stops and goes wild. Like he's in the squad. He's not like a first team player. Mm. And everyone goes wild. And Rivellino comes over and everyone's like, going, what was that you just did? And Rivellino goes, can you teach me that? Wow. And that's where it came from. That's amazing. Whoa. He's yeah. saying Rivellino's a biter. Well, but, but he, he, gave, <laughs> he gave credit, but no one... But Achida created it. And so I was in, I know this because I was in, uh, well, sorry to name drop Ryan. 
So I was in Rio for the World Cup and I was going mm. and interviewing people, trying to find out the context behind what made Brazilian football. Yes. And this amazing guy, there was this whole panel of people, like Ray Oliveira was there. And there was this other, like this Japanese Brazilian dude. And I'm like, oh, who's this? I don't know this guy. And they were like, oh my God, he created the flip flap. Right. So we had this right. amazing, ch- yeah, the nicest guy. The and nice George Weir. George Weir did it. Weir did it. Weir did the flip flap. Weir was, and also like, as you'll know, Ian, his first time finishing was mind blowing. Oh, mate. I would actually learn. So there's one game I was playing at school where um, I'm running along. I get the ball in the halfway line. I have my head down and I go through on goal and I hit it first time. It goes in the bottom corner. The keeper doesn't move. He's got his hands up, like his palms out mm-hmm. because I didn't give him a tell. And I run back to the halfway line and I'm screaming going, yeah, I did it. And they're like, what do you mean? I said, George Weir did that two weeks ago. <laughs> he scored the exact same goal. And I remember going through on goal going, this is what Weir did. Do the same thing because the keeper won't move because he won't see the tell. And what Weir did, he hit the ball with his head down. So no, yes. no one knew. Yeah. And he didn't slow down. He hit the ball in stride with his head down. And I'd never, I'd never seen that before. And where did it? And I'm like, oh my gosh, I literally did exactly the same goal. That's the thing. If you do that, if, yeah. you, if you do it with your head down, because remember the goalkeeper's watching you right. to see when you, and the only thing I can put, just a quick one is, is Lukic when I, your head's exactly. down. Lukic is saying, right, let me see, where am I? Up? Oh, it's over my head. Exactly. There's no, there's no tell. It's like, in, it's like in gambling, right? there's no tell. And the reason I love where as well is because like I played as a nine, right? And we, mm. they, they kick the, and I, that my, I had these skinny ankles. So it was just an absolute catnip for defenders. They would just see me and hack, hack, hack. And Weir got absolutely punished, mm. but he always got up and he, and he almost like relished it. And he, he never, ever backed down from the challenge. No. And I, it, it's so weird because I look back and I think, what was my obsession with this guy? And I suddenly realized because I was like a black kid at almost entirely white boarding school. Mm-hmm. And Weir was a black guy and in tall, almost entirely white Italy. country in, Italy, in Milan, mm. in Milan. And he went wow. there and he, he bossed it. And then Have you heard how like, some of those players talk about it? They speak about it. They speak about yeah. it with such love and- but His and, generosity. And, oh, he would give money God. to homeless people before, before training and afterwards. So he'd give them the food. He would, um, I mean, the way he dedicated the golden ball to like, Weir, to, to, Wenger. To, to, to Wenger, like all oh, his gratitude. Weir was just like, yeah, he's Magical, my guy. Man. He's my it's guy. It's funny because you know, when you, you speak, people- when people talk, talk, when people talk about the African, they, they, and, and he should get the, the, the credit as well, Sammy Letu. But I, I try to explain to people why I believe that as great as Sammy Letu is, and he, you know something, if anybody can push George Ware to be in the best African, then it'd probably be Sammy Letu. But I, I think that maybe it's because I was more George Ware because being in and around the George Ware and playing around the playing against George Ware but like I don't think people should forget Samuel Eto'o but them too I I don't know I can't I I don't Mm. think I can especially when you look at how it went for him listening to that Inter Milan what happened to him with Inter Milan when you lot spoke about Zlatan yeah, unbelievable disrespect. Oh yeah, God. yeah, yeah. It, the, 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 can I just say, guys, the disrespect eleven. It was, it was fucking out there, bro. As something special, oh, man. Thank you. Oh, so it thanks. really was simply because, I, you know, every everything. I just thought, yes. And when when Samuel Eto'o and you explained, it's absolutely right. He should always get a mention. Mm. Yeah, yeah. When we played against him, Paris Saint Germain with Janola in the team, mm. it was it was just brilliant to watch him against Tony and those guys. It was just like, it was really like very, watching him play against them, it just seemed very easy how he was playing. Just a touch. No, yeah, a touch just a touch. Yeah. And even Ginola as well, somebody that 
Oh my God. You know, I can't believe in respects of disrespected, that Bulgaria, yes. getting the blame. Horrible. Oh, horrible. Horrible. You know, I don't think he ever recovered from that, but no. I just felt, I just, just as you, as you mentioned George Ware there, um, I just remembered a game. Ginola was amazing as well, but he just couldn't, he just didn't do, he just done everything at his le- in that game at his pace. Went mm. past people very easily, linked up the play very easy, held people. It was all very easy. I think that's the thing about great players, right? It's like genuinely great players. It's kind of like you're playing on their pitch no matter yes. where it is. Does yes. that make sense? There's like an aura about it where it's like, oh, gosh, we're yeah. going on my terms, you know, which... I mean, is it's it, like my, like my, like my yeah. favourite player. We were talking about it a couple of weeks ago, weren't we, right? Like Johan Cruyff, yes. for example. Yes. Like Johan Cruyff is probably my all-time favourite player because he didn't look like a footballer, I don't think. Mm. You know, just as like super skinny, looked like he should be in a band. Yeah. <laughs> like, almost every single photo of Johan Cruyff could be an album cover. Yeah. Yeah. But also just ability-wise, I think he's someone who often gets left out of the conversation yes, for all-time greats. Yeah. You know, because you watch the World Cups and you want the, the player that's going in with the most hype and, this, and everything, what everybody's expecting from them. Okay. I know that Maradona done it in 86, but when I was a kid and they used to speak about Johan Cruyff mm. and like this Cruyff guy, you got to watch this Cruyff. My brother used to say, you got to watch this Cruyff. And then he done it. He done it in that World Cup. It was, a, it was a World Cup where Brazil were just like, honestly, it's like they just picked a load of yes, some fat, fat blokes and, and Jarzinho. I think Rivellino <laughs> was still there as well. But like, I remember Johan Cruyff in the final, in the first minute, when he picked up the ball and just went, oh my God. and got the penalty. I was like, I, I'm, I don't know what was I being like, 12, I think, 13 maybe. And I was just like, oh my God, he's just amazing. Yeah. Who would you play with, Ryan? Who's your guy to I'm going to ask you as well, Moose. So think yeah. about who would you play with now to get the best out of Moose as a number nine? And Ryan, as that midfield general that you, I so hear about with you, general. who's playing with? Who are you playing with? Small to be a general. I'm like, no, man. Xavi, man. Look at Xavi. 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 This is a really tough question. I'd love to play with, well, that Aston Villa midfield just looks well fun now. At I'd love Mo- to be yes. the other one. Like, I'd yes. love to be the six behind Barkley and Grealish oh, just because yeah. I think it would be it would be quite fun you know what I love um, about Grealish and Barkley can almost see after the game they just say come on let's just, yeah, let's just go on play, PlayStation let's go and do stuff they're so happy I yeah. love the fact that Jack Grealish with the power that he's got there now Ryan he said go and get Ryan go and get Ross Barkley for go me. and get Ryan go and get Ryan Hunt <laughs> go and get Ross Barkley for me go and get Ross Barkley for me because he's going to help me right I just mm. get the impression that they do that yeah that, like, mm. that he's done that because they they look so good, yeah. They look really fun, amazing. The crew fun, Villa, everyone yeah. back. And then Ollie Watkins up front, yeah. Like, I'd love to play on that side. I don't know if I'd be able to explain to you guys for Ollie Watkins and the pressure that Dean Smith was probably under to say I'm going to pay that kind of money for him. Yeah, mm. and then oh, doesn't score in the Fulham game where you watched him and I thought yeah he's done some really good stuff there. Shouldn't you know? I'd like to see him in the box a bit more. But then you play Liverpool. And obviously Jack's helped him, but to score a hat-trick against arguably one of the best teams, easily one of the best teams in the world at the moment and going to go down as one of the best um, teams in the Premier League easily. I can't even tell you what that does for his, 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 um, his mm. confidence. I can't even tell you. There's nothing he believes he can't do when he goes out there now. Yeah. Do you know what's funny? I was talking about this actually, Ian, before I get into the play I'd like to play with most. Mm. I was talking about that goal that David Beckham scores from the halfway line, right? Mm. And that goal has the kind of the Watkins effect or we could call it where 
it basically elevates you. Like David Beckham at that point was just mm. another brilliant young player. Yeah. And that goal, it was mythology, right? Mm. And when you have mythology as a player, what that is, you know, not just for confidence, but like it buys you three extra years at any club you're at. Mm -hmm. It buys the confidence of people and it kind of, it's and it, I remember thinking like, I wonder how often Beckham thinks, what if I hadn't shot? Because <laughs> he would just go on, he would still have had a great career, don't get me yeah. wrong. But that mythical moment, it's like everyone in the world the next morning knew who Beckham was. Yes. It's before social media. Everyone it's like knew a one-hit wonder vibe, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, but very, but it's like, actually, my better work came later, but everyone keeps asking <laughs> me to play that one. But it is a one-hit wonder, but then everyone announces themselves. You look at like Wayne Rooney with a goal against uh, Arsenal. Oh, yes. And you have to, like every great player has a moment when they're like, Michael Owen. Like yeah, or, or, or um, uh, Messi with the with the final goal with oh, the hat against Madrid, the final yeah. goal when he basically takes the pass that's meant for someone else, and he's like, yes. "Actually, do you know what? Like, it's Messi time." Like, mm. so the player, yes, I would most like to play with, um, who I think well, would just be an absolute joy would be um, Kevin De Bruyne. Yes, yes, because Messi. he would just find you anywhere, and yeah. he'd, there's a story I heard about Ali Bernabe when he played at Monaco with Henri and um, Trezeguet about how Bernabe would find you with his head down with the outside of either foot in the mid in yes, midfield. Yes. And De Bruyne has that thing, the early release from midfield. Mm. Unbelievable. So Unbelievable. he'd be the guy. Yeah. He you know find something? You, anywhere. It's, you, you say that and it just reminds me, Burkamp, I'm not sure if I've told you this before, but when once I, I had to get used to him, obviously he played in training and they played us together. And one of the things that I realised um, why I'm playing with, the, I'm playing with Cream, is that a lot of the balls that he played to me in the first, the first few training sessions were hitting me on the back of the leg because I should have been, my run should have been right for him to get it to me because do you understand what I'm trying to say to you? That is a mind-blowing story. I'm fucking telling you, Musa. It was <laughs> like, at, I was thinking to my, and you know what? The pressure I felt thinking, this guy is so way in front. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not doing it. I'm still fucking <laughs> running forward when I oh should have, God. I was stopped by then or because those players don't make mistakes in the passes. That is science fiction. That is one of the greatest stories right. I've ever... Honestly, oh so God. what I had to realise was I just had to make sure I've got to watch him and I've got yeah. to make sure... So I've got to make sure I watch the defender and I've got to make sure when's the ball getting to Dennis? I've got to make sure that's it because the ball was hitting me on the back of the legs. That is mind-blowing. That is... In the first few sessions. And then once you get used to it, I realised, I realised that I had to... He's, he's, He's kind of telling me you need to wait a split more second. That is one of the greatest stories. What that you do when you finish the training session, when you go home, you think to yourself, I'm playing with the cream. These players are the ones that people will talk yeah. about. Because it was, it was something that I was thinking, what the fuck am I doing wrong? I remember Dennis said, you know, you maybe need to just, just, just hold the run, hold the run for a split second. Wow. That is mine. But do you know why? Because those are the stories, you know, those stories, sorry, I've got the shivers here. Mm. Those are the stories you don't hear. You know that everyone always says in training, mm. you had to see Veron in training. He was the best ever senior training. But you don't hear stories like that. You don't hear about the weight. And I remember reading this one thing. It was, uh, they were interviewing Chavi about the kind of passes that he, yeah. passed, he hands out. And Chavi was going, oh yeah, like he was describing all the different types of spin on the ball that yes. different players like. And I'm like, the level, Chavi, yeah. and Chavi completes 95% passes, 95 of mm. passes every game yeah. for his entire career. So it means that he's calculating exactly what everyone needs all the time for, for 15 years? For 15 years. And the thing is, is that with those players, guys, is that it doesn't mm. matter where the ball ends up in and around their feet, like you mentioned with De Bruyne, they get the ball to you. Out that's their feet. ability. That's their, that's, their, that's their ability because you look at, I can't stop talking about the Newcastle goal and how Dennis readjusted himself. It's, yeah. It was so annoying for me 
for people to constantly ask about, do you, but do you think he meant it? You're what? missing the point. You're missing the point. Mm. It's, it's got nothing to do with meaning what he'd done. We've never seen that goal before or after because the, the ability that Dennis has to think so quickly, when he explains it, you think, yeah, well, that makes perfect sense. But why have we never seen it? Because mm. the ball was behind him yeah. and he manufactured something. But then you saw the class come out when the way he just finished it like it was nothing. Then he ran away as if it was nothing. But everybody in the stadium and everybody watches it have just seen something that's just awesome. Yeah, because it's absolutely impossible to generate. That's even when you're, you know, if you've got the ball, if you've got a tennis ball in your hand, Mm -hmm. it's impossible to generate that spin with a tennis ball and your hand, let alone with the instep. And then with Dabazas, a very good defender on your back, a very poor Dabazas, a very good defender. It is almost impossible to do that in your own house with your Mm -hmm. hands. Mm -hmm. And you do it with, this is why Bergkamp, I mean, his goal against, the one he scored against Argentina. Oh yes, the touch. Honestly, he bounces the ball under Nelson Vivas with his studs, with his studs. And I'm like, are people seeing this? And I I turned to my cousins, I was like, this is actually, is this even, not not illegal, but is is it possible? It's awesome. Or Nelson Viva. <laughs> and he saw him at training the next season, didn't he? <laughs> it's the quickness of thought, what you're trying yes. to explain and what I'm saying with him, his pass is hitting me. And then you get used to it. And then once I got used to it, like I said, my game went to another level in respects of, then it's up to me to sort out the touch and sort out the finish. Yeah, of but course. In respects of like, this is why if I had to choose somebody right now, I would, it's really weird because I just feel like I'd, I don't know if I could play for City or Liverpool, mm. right? I'd probably want to play for Aston Villa in this moment because of Jack Grealish and Ross Barkley. Wow. Only because I, I don't, I, the work rate that you have to do for, it's not enough just to be up there with Pep. No. I need freedom. No. I need the freedom, you know? Like, I need that freedom of, of, of being and able Villa to- have, Villa have the freedom. Villa, they, they've Villa, got have got, Villa are a team now that are just, if they were walking down the street, they'd be wearing- the coolest trainers, the coolest trousers. And that's a great town as well. That's the thing I love about Aston Villa. I love about Birmingham as well. As a town, yeah. that is a great town. And like the, the vibe there must it's be It's going to kick off. I'm desperate for, it to, for the fans to get back in for Villa right now because I, like, like I'm saying, I've said already and I'm start, it's starting to come to me now, Moose, Ryan, is that I'm getting a Leicester vibe. I don't, you know, I'm getting a Leicester vibe nearly going down yeah. Coming next season, and then in a Premier League season where I cannot tell you who's going to be the top three, top four, can't tell you right now because everything's so inconsistent and chaotic. I just love a Villa to just have a blast, the Everton to just have a blast. Do you know what I think as well? There's Leicester vibes there too. You look at Douglas Luiz, who's just started to play for Brazil. Mm-hmm. You know how like Leicester had all those players who are wildly underrated yes. and all of a sudden they exploded onto the world scene two years later? Yes. So like two years from now, everyone's going to be like, oh my God, those guys are actually amazing. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, Trezeguet. Yeah, I loved You see Trezeguet? Trezeguet. So good. Have you seen the skills so, on this guy? Oh my gosh. Wouldn't it be great if Villa went back into the Champions League? Well, they've never been in the Champions League as the Champions Since League. 84. Mm. Villa won more European Cups than Arsenal, Man City and Spurs put together. Put together. As many European Cups as Chelsea, Arsenal, Man City and Spurs put together. Mm-hmm. Listen, thanks to everybody who's been on, but thanks to Stadio. Stadio guys, thank you very much. Thanks, man. Pleasure. We'd love it. I'm going to have to throw you out of the house in a, in a nice way. remember the door is always open so uh, that's it for the first episode of Righty's House thanks everybody for listening thanks uh, thanks Jeanette thanks Ryan Hahn thanks Musa Kwongo thank you Karl Anker from The Athletic you know something I really enjoyed that we're going to go again next week 
and talking about whatever topics come up to be talked about in Wrighty's house. Um, hope you enjoyed it. See you next week, man. <laughs>